With the first full weekend of spring training, the Nationals have position battles ongoing. And with that, there are players that have to prove things. So I'm going to have to go into who has the most to prove this spring training. Find out after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Clary, and I have taken my passion for the Nationals into podcast form here with the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day. And that's what we do in spring training and the duration of the 162-game marathon of the major league season and we're just getting started and I can't wait but here is what we have for today's show I will be discussing who has the most to prove this season and it really starts off this for me and this is the obvious answer if you were to ask me center fielder Victor Robles has the most to prove this season and here's why Victor Robles, we know the collapse that he has had since 2019. While his defensive numbers are still great, and he was a Gold Glove finalist in this past season, that has not been the case for him at the plate. His numbers across the board have been sky-falling since 2019. Back in 2019, he was about your average hitter. And for rookie terms, for someone who was 21 years old, he was a, a very good rookie hitter, a very good player in general, just considering his defensive numbers, his numbers at the plate. But then in 2020, he fell off. 2021, he really fell off. And in 2022, the sky fell on Victor Robles when it comes to his offensive numbers. I talked about this last week. Victor Robles is certainly going to be a trade candidate for the Nationals as we get close to that July deadline. He has to be. He has to be a trade candidate. If he's not a trade candidate, then he's a DFA candidate. That's what we're talking about with Victor Robles at this point. Is it worth paying the millions of dollars for zero production at the plate while he does play a solid defensive outfield position? As we talked about, there is value in his defense. There's no question about that. He is one of the game's better defensive center fielders. One, He covers a lot of ground. Two, he's got a big arm. And three, he's going to be making the plays that you need him to make. You'll see some errant throws here and there. You'll see him throwing off and and not throwing to the cutoff guy. You'll see those stupid decisions from time to time from him. There's no doubt about that. But when you put it all together, he is still a very good defensive outfielder. He's still one of the game's premier center fielder outfielders if we're going to be talking about that. But he's got a lot to prove at the plate. If he can just be an average major league hitter, then Victor Robles has a ton of value to not only the Nationals, but in that trade market. Because when you look at the Nationals' top prospects and how this farm system is landscaped, 
it starts with the outfield. You have Robert Hassel, James Wood, Elijah Green, and Christian Vaccaro. And maybe in that order, those four guys could be the highest ceiling prospects in this entire system. In fact, I would even go out on a limb to say that. So with that, not only are not all four of those guys will pan out, but the likelihood of it is not that likely. But then again, Victor Robles will be one of the first ones to be replaced in that outfield whenever the time comes for Robert Hassel. Is it this year in 2023 or is it opening day in 2024? We just don't know yet. But Victor Robles is going to be a name to watch moving forward as to what do we do with this guy? What can he prove? Is there anything he can prove? If he does have an average year at the plate, does that entice the Nationals even more to move him and to trade him? We'll just have to see, but he's got to step it up this spring training, and we need to see more patience at the plate for Robles and see some plate discipline from him. For the love of God, I'm sorry. But my next takeaway is Jake Alou. I have talked about third base in that position battle, kind of going on, kind of not going on. You have J. Mayor Candelario, one of the premier signings outside of Trevor Williams, I guess you could say. And then you also have former top prospect Carter Keyboom competing for that division and our division position. And then you have Ildemaro Vargas, who plays a solid defensive third base and last year kind of outkicked his coverage at the plate and did perform well in a limited role for the Nationals. But then you also have Jake Lou, who on Saturday, he hit that double and he killed the ball. Back in the minor leagues, if you look at his stats, there's a reason why this guy is in the running to be one of the Nationals' third basemen this year. Because he's been easily one of the more one of the more productive hitters at the plate when looking at the numbers all across the board for power. He's not some crazy power hitter, but he does get extra base hits. He can run a little bit. He's not a blazer like C.J. Abrams. But then again, he's a player. This is someone who can compete at this level. So he has a lot to prove this spring training. Because coming out and getting drafted in the 20th round or 26th round, whatever it was, you're going to get looked over. And especially when you have someone like Carter Keyboom, who this organization spent a first-round draft pick on for to replace Anthony Rendon as well. Then J. Merrick Candelario, someone who's led the major leagues in doubles in 2021. And then Ildemaro Vargas, a sturdy veteran third baseman that the Nationals have do seem to like, which is a little weird. So Jake Lou has to earn his spot. He's not going to be given the third base job. There's just not enough mm, assets put into him. There's not enough draft capital put into him to just guarantee this guy anything. So he's going to have to prove his worth at the plate, and I think he will. I think this is someone who may not start on the opening day roster at this point, just seeing how the depth chart goes, but he can certainly hit his way into the majors by this May. And really, if he hits a ton in the spring training, you could be seeing him on that opening day roster getting some starts here and there because that's what we want to see from him. And, you know, I talk about clearance shopping a lot, What's more clearance shopping than getting a 26th round pick to pan out at your third base position in the hot corner? 
Nothing more valuable than that. Third on this list, Josiah Gray's fastball. Now, Andrew Golden from the Washington Post actually wrote about this and kind of how Josiah Gray has has improved his fastball and ultimately his technique at the plate. And all, all things considered, Josiah Gray's fastball is what got him to be a top prospect in baseball. This is what got him to the majors was his fastball. But as soon as he got into the majors, he started to see that major leaguers were hitting his fastball at a more frequent rate than they once were in the minor leagues. What could that be? Well, Josiah Gray worked on this offseason. So in his planting foot, he was kind of opening a little bit towards his left side, leaving that fastball high and in. They try to get it to where it is directly pointing to the plate, and that has been the emphasis of his offseason for his landing spot to be more accurate, to hit more of his spots when it comes to that fastball. So that fastball is going to be something to watch as Josiah Gray continues to move on and really progress through the through the major leagues and hopefully become that sturdy top five starter that the Nationals want him to be. And that's what we think he can and will be moving forward. Lastly, I think Lane Thomas has a lot to prove moving forward. And it's not even just the factor that the Nationals have a ton of assets as far as farm system goes with their outfielders. It's also the fact that he's going to have a lot of opportunities. And I'm I'm on the Lane train. I've always been a Lane Thomas guy. Not only that we traded John Lester for this guy who seems to be a legit major leaguer, he has shown it over the years. If it wasn't for his slow starts down in the majors over the last two seasons, his numbers would be looking way better than they were because his first half numbers compared to his second half numbers are a show. And what I mean by that is his first half, they are low numbers. But those second half numbers back when you get in the summer, that's when his bat starts to heat up. So Lane Thomas is going to need to start hot this spring training and carry that momentum into the first half of the season for the Nationals. We all know it takes a little time to adjust for hitters in particular when it comes to spring training. It takes a little while to catch up to those 98-mile-per-hour fastballs for that 85-mile-per-hour curveball. It takes time to adjust to these things, and in particular, especially when the game's going to be moving at a much faster pace, when in past years, hitters can kind of control their time, similar to the pitchers. Well, now you can't. It is go, go, go. You got about 10 to 15 seconds in between pitches, and it sucks. But guess what? It's not just you dealing with it. It's everyone else as well. So there's no complaints or no mistakes to be made about this. No one should be complaining about it because everyone is going to be going through it. But with all that being said, I do have some stuff that I hate about these new rules. And the pitch clock may or may not be one of the most hated ones for mine. You'll find out. But before, I got to tell you guys about my friends over at Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you got to try a Built Bar. What milks? What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugars, 
with a whopping 17 grams of protein. That's right. And also, head to your nearest Walmart today to walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And also, if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab one of theirs as well for the 13-bar box with all the hit flavors there, brownie batter and churro. Guys, like I always say, check out BuiltBar.com. But also, after you try these, you can just thank me later. And now we get back into some of our takeaways from the first weekend of baseball. And let's just say everyone's excited for baseball again. How fun is it to actually talk about games? But more importantly, we have to talk about some rule changes and some takeaways from week end number one in spring training. And I have a list of what I like and what I dislike. So I'll start off on a positive note. This is what I like. The defensive shift ban. More offense is fun. You're starting to neutralize dominant pitchers in the game that we have seen over the years. Pitching continues to be on an uproar. Now, offense and home runs, those are also on an uproar. But then again, when you compare it to numbers like 20 years ago, is it really on an uproar? We'll just have to see. But pitchers have been on an uproar more frequently than the way that the hitters have over the years. What can we do to kind of neutralize that to kind of make it, I don't want to say fair because it is fair. Pitchers and hitters can still hit and pitch. But then again, pitching numbers have been going way up when way faster than the, than the way that hitters have been over the years. So I think the defensive shift man will help kind of neutralize that. And instead of having all the defense in the pitching have the ability to make an adjustment by doing a defensive shift, well, you're taking that away now. You're making it more mono mono pitcher versus hitter, which I kind of like in that sense. You better not miss your spot because he could drive one into the right field gap or whatever it may be. You better start hitting those spots because pitchers have been getting a lot better at a much more frequent rate than hitters. So neutralize this. You better hit your spots, and you better not miss. I like the defensive ban, defensive shift ban, rather. Count me in on that rule. I'm all good with that. Here's what I dislike, the pitch clock. I talked about it and how it could be neutralizing again. Hitters and pitchers and defenders, I'm not here for it. I'm not here for it. I understand why they do it. It cuts, I, I understand it. It cuts down on game time. In which, you know, I'm not complaining about. I wasn't complaining about too long of games anyways either. I wasn't complaining about three and a half hour games for only nine innings. I wasn't that guy. And in fact, I think most big time baseball fans like you and I were probably thinking the same thing. Like, well, it would be nice to be a little shorter. Sure. But then again, I'm still going to be watching. I'm still going to be staying inning one through nine. I'm still going to be in my seat, you know? So that wasn't really my particular complaint with it, but I gave him a compliment for that. The shorter game is nice. Here's what I don't like about it. I think routine is big when it comes to anything in life, in particular when it comes to sports. You and I, we probably played baseball growing up. 
you remember your routine and what you did and how you got ready for that plate appearance? Well, I mean, what are we doing then? You kind of have to get away from your routine that you've taught your entire life, that you have practiced your entire life. Major leaguers who have played thousands and thousands and thousands of games and have thousands of at-bats throughout their entire life. And you're now saying you only got 15 seconds in between it and really only eight seconds. I think it's a little ridiculous, especially when you see it cost a game just like it did this weekend with the Braves against the Red Sox tied 6-6, ninth inning, two outs, 3-2 count. And the Braves hitter took too long to get in the box to be ready. So therefore, strike three, you're out, game over. That was bad. That should not be happening. A game outcome should not be dictated by someone taking a half second too long or whatever it is. I think that's where MLB will have to loosen up and maybe even get rid of those. Oh, this is throwing it out there. They haven't discussed this. But in the ninth inning and on, maybe you should reconsider those rules and the pitch clock and how it could affect the outcome of a game. Whether you loosen it up, or whether you just get rid of it completely because you don't want a game to end on an outcome like that. It's not only is it boring, but two, it's unacceptable. It is unacceptable. And hopefully moving forward, I think hitters and pitchers will adjust to this more so you won't be seeing it. But you know at some point it's going to come up, and at some point it's going to be for a very meaningful game and that is when the controversy will stir. It has to. And plus, something we've talked about over the years is not empowering umpires. Well, this is going to empower umpires to not only make this decision, and if it's a bang-bang call, whether you're in the box or not, or if you didn't get the pitch off in time or not, it's going to cause a lot of controversy and ultimately could cause a lot of fights amongst Major League Baseball. I already hit on how I like the shorter games because I do think shorter games in general are, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's let I will say it's less concession money to fans or not only the fans, but to the owners, less money in their pockets. So it's kind of weird how they want to have a shorter game time. And this is what Manfred has said over time is that he believes that it's going to help the attendance with MLB games, more kids at the games and really, just a faster paced game to kind of keep up with technology and how society is going the last few years, I guess you could say. So I do like that, but I'll end up another thing that I like. I like the pickoff limit. Here's what the defensive band did take away that I was kind of like, ah, I understand being upset about that. The defensive band or the defensive shift band rather did take away some strategy, but you know what a new rule brought in? some more strategy to replace that. And it's not necessarily, they're not two peas in a pod together, but there is more strategy because of this rule. Limiting pickoffs. You know, you can only have a certain number of pickoff moves per at-bat. I believe it's two right now currently. So with that, you're going to have to be very picky on what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And especially with that, the disengagement with the rubber. You see guys like Kenley Jansen, the closer for the Braves. He kind of disengages from the rubber a lot. Sean Doolittle has done it in the past. Thaddeus Ward, our 
number one pick in the Rule 5 draft this past winter. He's does it. He does it a lot. So that is going to change a little bit as far as pitchers go, but the pickoff limit will help strategize when and where to actually throw down the runners. And when you do it, you better not miss. Because once you pass that limit, that batter better be out. Or if not, he's getting rewarded second base or third base or wherever he is. So that's going to be a strategy to actually help the strategy of baseball. And for the people like myself and maybe like you at home who want to see more strategy in the game, it's going to actually make it more fun. But I was not for the defensive shift. I did not like it. I think it gave hitters kind of an unfair disadvantage when it came to hitting, you know? If they had all the numbers in the world, but then again, what can a hitter do to kind of neutralize a pitcher? You could say just get a hit off him, but then again, baseball is a sport of failure. You fail a lot more than you're going to succeed. That's just the way it is in baseball. So I think kind of neutralizing this will help getting more runners on base, you're going to have more hits and more offense. And with more offense, there's more excitement in my mind. I do love a pitching duel. I've loved that forever. I mean, we grew up Nationals fans. We've been gifted with pitching over the years that we love to see. But I also like offense. And that's what the game, the game is trending now in all sports across the board. It's offense, 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 and more offense. So that does help in that sense of imagination. But... Thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day. Now check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as you bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network where you get your team every single day. And now we get into... Some bad news with the Nationals as Zach Brisky, one of the Nationals' undrafted free agent signings out of the 2020 draft, because that was short and only five rounds, and who has been one of the more impressive bullpen pieces in the Nationals' minor league system alongside Jose Ferrer and Matt Cronin. But Br- Zach Brisky, a Virginia Tech grad, or not grad, I guess, he went to Virginia Tech last year, dominated down in the minor leagues, he has been kind of shut down for the next two to four weeks over a forearm strain. And Davey Martinez said this yesterday, that he's going to be out two to four weeks. And this is someone who I actually thought could crack the opening day lineup because of how good he was just last year. I still think at some point we're going to see him in the majors, but this two to four week setback is a little alarming, especially when you hear it's a forearm injury and especially when it's a team that doesn't really have too much to lose. So they're going to be on the cautious side of this, which is a good thing. That's what we want. We want the team to be cautious about his injury because he actually does have a solid future with the Nationals. In two seasons in the minor leagues, this is someone who has 123 innings pitched and 181 strikeouts. That is 13.2 strikeouts per nine innings. While he only has four walks per nine innings, only still a little high. But then again, you see my point. He he is very valuable to this national farm system as far as bullpen bullpen pieces go. And so what I want to say about it is this could be a little longer than two to four weeks. 
Now, this is just speculation, but with all things considered where this Nationals franchise is and where Zach Brisky is, why even take a chance with it, you know? If he's got to take longer, he's got to take longer. If he's going to take shorter or if he's fine in two to four weeks, then good. But let's make sure he's healthy. Let's make sure he's healthy because there is value in an arm like that, especially the way he performed in 2022. There's no reason to rush him back. If he's got to sit out the rest of spring training, guess what? The minor leagues are meant for times like that to where you can start to get some rehab down in the rookie levels, down in single A, down in Fredericksburg. All those opportunities will still be there for him to ramp up, to start in AAA, and then get the promotion up to the major leagues whenever that time comes. So he was someone I actually did really like who I gave an opportunity to make the major league roster out of camp if he pitched the way that I thought he could. Well, most likely we're not going to see him for the rest of spring training, and that is the unfortunate thing about it when it comes to Zach Brisky. But we'll keep our eyes on that moving forward as we all expect big things out of him so thank you for making locked on nationals your first listen now again check out locked on fantasy baseball with my guys matt and dom who will have you covered for anything of your fantasy baseball draft needs check out that podcast wherever you get your podcast or on youtube it's part of the locked on podcast network where you get your team every single day i will talk to you guys tomorrow we will have even more coverage from the nationals Day three of spring training games. Go Nats.